Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Hanging in there, Sean. How you doing, buddy? Uh, sitting here looking at what resume Kentucky basketball does not have through nine games because they they don't have one. None. Have a invisible paper in front of you that you're yeah. looking at. So you just uh, you made the trip to South Bend over the weekend, and I'm, I'm sure wonderful campus. You got to see some cool stuff, but you you did not get to see anything good for John Calipari or Kentucky Derek. They're nine games in. They don't have a resume. They've got a loss that's not going to look good in March. I mean, that, that loss Saturday is not going to look good at any point this season. And you go and next up's Ohio State, another team, a neutral site game that they have to find a way to win. Yeah, that was a Notre Dame team that Kentucky played that was three and four. And going into that game, Notre Dame's wins were against, and I'm using the Ken Palm rankings here, Cal State Northridge, which was 295, and there's 358 teams. Uh, High Point, obviously Tubby's team, who UKLC later, 264, and then Chaminade, who's not even Division One. Um, and really, they were coming off a bad loss at Boston College. Boston College is 115 in Ken Palm. So this was not a this was not a good Notre Dame team, you know that this was not a team that had been close. They had a double digit loss to to Illinois, and then they lost at Texas A and M, who you know honestly looks like they're probably playing better than than what might have been expected. But it's not like they're going to be a tournament team either, I don't think. So for Kentucky, I mean, it was a it was a bad performance, and it wasn't even you know all this talk about it being the first true road game in two years or whatever with the crowds like. I've been to a lot of arenas in the SEC. What what I just went to is is not going to be considered hostile compared. I mean, I was almost stunned at how you know small the arena was, and then two, uh, it just was not a. I mean, there at the end, of course, when the game got really exciting, it was good. But for the most part, this was not a daunting, hostile atmosphere that they walked into, and they put up a two for nineteen three point shooting performance. And really, outside of Sheepway, man, they just didn't really do anything well. It's kind of been that way all year feels like honestly at times but you're mentioning the environment I didn't get to watch it live but I went back and watched it on YouTube multiple times just to kind of break it down so we could talk about it today and you're talking about the environment there it it was good late but for 30 plus minutes of that game I feel like nobody in that arena really cared what was going on but then the last five minutes it's like oh wait Notre Dame might actually win this game and then it turns into environment it was the smallest crowd they'd played in front of all season yeah, 8,000 or 8,800, I think, was what the game notes said. I believe it. Um, <laughs> you know, defensively, it's like Cal. You know, you go off of comments um, that Cal was making, and, and I'm not going to say he blamed the loss. I don't want to take his words out of context, but basically he thought the lack of defensive intensity there towards the end of the game or maybe that stretch where they where Notre Dame went on, went on an 11-1 run is kind of what got him beat. And maybe in a vacuum, the simplest terms, yeah, maybe he's right. Tata totally fell asleep on defense at one point. I remember Goodwin got a layup just because Tata just lost his man. That might have been on inbounds, Sean. I don't. You, you they, watched them. They did that twice on inbounds. So Kentucky, when they, they match up man on out of bounds sets, and the guy that's on the ball will close out, and then they rotate somebody else on the ball. That's stuff that Kentucky's always done. They had two breakdowns like that, and then they had another breakdown. I think it was. It was in the second half where Tata kind of just lost sight of his man, turned his head, showed the back of it, and they back cut him. He wasn't in help position. He was not in good position at any point. Just those breakdowns. And then 
Go ahead. Go for it. Go ahead. I was just going to say in the bigger scheme, though, like, Sean, they they held Notre Dame to basically 64 points. I mean, you count the dunk at the end on a, on a breakaway, but it was 64 points. Like, yeah, Cal, I get it that you think that the defense right there might have got you beat, but if you're going to be relying on holding teams to 60 points, you're not going to make the tournament this year. It, it <laughs> I mean, like, it you got to score. It wasn't the defense that got them beat. It was yeah. not the defense that got them beat. And I, I sent it to you yesterday. I posted a clip on Twitter. I posted screenshots of four straight possessions in the first half where Kentucky could have turned a two-point lead into maybe a eight, nine, ten-point lead if they had taken better shots. And, and I'm okay. Like, Jacob Toppin took a three in transition with 26 seconds on the shot clock. I'm sorry. That's not a good shot at any point unless there's less than seven seconds on the shot clock from him. That's not who you want taking that shot. And then let me pull up the others. I think the next possession – had some here in Hopkins – yeah, I have them in order here. Let's see. So the next possession is Mintz pulls up at the top of the key with 640, 26 seconds on the shot clock. That's I'm okay with Mintz taking that shot. We've seen him hit that transition three. But then the next possession is Bryce Hopkins with a three with 22 seconds on the shot clock. And then the following possession, Sabir Wheeler with a three with 21 seconds on the shot clock. Like, I get it. The, the answer isn't to just have people shoot threes. You know, that's not modern-style basketball. It's not like, okay, everybody takes one. you got to have the right people shooting the ball, and oftentimes I think this season they don't have the right guys shooting the basketball. And, I mean, those guys are wide open for a reason. Like, Xavier Wheeler was wide open for a reason. Bryce Hopkins, wide open for a reason. And that just it's just not good basketball. And I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize those four shots and say that's why they lost the game. But when you look at why they're shooting so poorly from three-point range, I mean, Grady needs more shots. You know, Tata's got to find his rhythm. They they need guys to step up and make shots, but it's just it, this can't be just everybody pulls one. Keon Brooks took a jumper. I sent you that screen grab too, uh, with a foot on the like a foot halfway across the uh, one foot all the way across the three point line, the other one on it, and it was 16 seconds on the on the shot clock. Like if you're going to take it, take a step back. That's the worst shot in basketball. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the guard play because that was a big i mean i think none of those guys you would say played well not not even grady who by hitting two threes kind of separated himself from everyone else because no one else even made one um let's start with Xavier wheeler and i know he's had what i would say is he has been exactly as advertised which could be good or bad i guess do you agree with that it can be and i've been a big fan of his and yeah you know that he's had games where Duke, he had some stretches. <clears throat> excuse me, hit some stretches where he was really impressive. Um, finding guys, the the first three pointer Kentucky hit in the second half. He he found Grady in trans uh, transition. It was a good pass. But you know, you're a Division one basketball player, and Notre Dame, the guy who's guarding you, while you're standing on the three point line, not even a deep three, just on the three point line, that guy standing at the elbow won't even come out and contest it. Like he's begging you to shoot that shot. He took a couple steps in, I think, twice and missed, uh, you know, elbow jumpers maybe. Maybe I'm off on that. I'm running off memory. I haven't watched the game back. But he was 0 for 5 from the field. Uh, didn't didn't turn it over a ton. He only had two turnovers, but he also only had two assists. You know, some of that, you know, assists, you, you got to have guys hit shots. But it was more so when Cal finally pulled the plug on Wheeler and went to Washington point guard. Going off memory, Sean, it didn't seem like Kentucky could really run an effective offense when Washington was there. And to me, that was 
and it's early. He's a freshman. It's just December. But to me, that was maybe the most concerning thing is one, if you're going to play Wheeler, you understand at this point that teams aren't going to guard him. And unless he starts hitting some jumpers, uh, it's, he's almost unplayable to an extent. And then if Washington's going to be the guy you're going to rely on at point, he, I don't know. He's played two games now against teams that, you know, weren't tune up games or whatever. And he's not really looked good neither. So to me, that's a pretty concerning situation developing there. There is. And I'm trying to find the three point statistics the last five games. Somebody put that up. Did you? I didn't see that. I don't have it. It's, it's not very good. Well, and, I think they actually shot two for 19 and a half right against Central Michigan from three. Yeah. I think it was something like that in the second half. They took a lot and didn't really make any. And and that's and that's what and that's what I go back to. We're talking about Savir Wheeler. Savir is going to be at his best when this team's making shots. Like when you have to respect the outside shot and stuff for other people, it, it kind of opens things up for him. But when nobody's hitting, and especially not him, and the worst thing that probably could have happened was him make one of those one of those three Saturday because then he's just going to keep <laughs> taking them and taking them. Uh, but I don't know. Like it was it was hard to watch. This is another season where. We made a big – a lot of people made a big deal about the non-conference schedule, the seven straight games at Rep Arena. And I know I'm not going to go and say what I said two weeks ago and then come out and say something different. But, you know, I said that I, I get why Cal did it. I mean, I get it. Like, after last year, you want to work on some things and get some things figured out. But here's where I have a problem with that. Dante Allen kept getting a ton of minutes and or opportunities there early on in the season. Then they, they played him in – Majority of those games or all those games, I think he at least made an appearance and they gave him an opportunity. They mixed with the rotation, but when it came down to it, I don't think any of it really mattered. And yeah. that was what I took away from it is if you're going to play those games, then find out who your rotation is and give those minutes there. If you're not going to play, don't play them all those games just because they're games that you feel like you can win. I get it, but they just they still don't feel like they have a rhythm even though they played seven cupcake games, they developed no offensive rhythm. And I just, that's a problem. And, and also some things are out of Cal's control. You had guys miss games for they injuries. Were. Yeah. Guys miss uh, time with illness. Uh, but that was the next point I did want to bring up was the rotation he went with uh, nine guys played. So only Lance Ware and Dante Allen were the two who didn't play on scholarship. Uh, but really in the second half, it was, you know, Topping got in just for a little bit, and then um, Mintz was the other one who came off the bench, and Mintz played quite a bit. Uh, he played the rest of the game once Wheeler went out. But the minutes, Shebley played 37, and let's let's commend Oscar. One foul in 37 minutes. Great job there, and he had – I mean, they had to have him uh, out there the whole time. Grady, 35 minutes. Brooks, 32 minutes. And Washington, 33. And then you had Wheeler at 29. So, that, you know, that's your starting five, the guys I just named um, there at the end. And they obviously played the most minutes. But outside of outside of Davion off the bench, I mean, no one else really – Collins only played three minutes and Bryce played five. And he was part of that stretch where the game just didn't have a stoppage for a while. And he was just out there. And whoever was on the floor stayed out there for quite a bit. So, you know, I I, I kind of agree with you there on what you're talking about with, with Dante and um, – I felt like Lance was heading towards this role where he, he probably would have played had Sheboy gotten foul trouble, but since he didn't, uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he's not going to play. If Sheboy's going to be out there, like Lance is not going to play. Dante, you know, I can see the case for if um, you can look at the three point statistics and just the shooting statistics, statistics in general and think, well, he needs to be out there perhaps because he's got a better shot of making it. But I think in Cal's mind, and this might be what pissed his fans off, like he was – I think Cal was in such like a defensive mode. Yeah. 
there was no shot in hell he was going to put Dante on the floor uh, because he, he doesn't think Dante can defend oh. at all. Maybe it's true. So, like, that and, – and, again, like, what, what did he say last year? He doesn't put guys – I don't know, Cowboys – he said weird things last year, but he said a play lot of dudes in the second half if they didn't play in the first or whatever. Yep. Stuff like that. So well, if he's going back to that little rule that he's developed for himself, then obviously Dante had no shot to play there at the end. Well, and here's the other thing about it, too. You know, he's talked about all this depth on the, the Monday press conference after what, what, no, not Monday, after Southern. He kept talking about that's, that's the good thing about all this depth. We have guys, we have depth. And clearly said that Dante was going to play a role on this team. But as soon as you go to a, yeah. He gets tied again on his rotation as soon as they go to, a, you know, get into a close game on the road. And where's the depth? They played six guys. Yeah. Saturday. <laughs> Davion Mintz played 18 minutes. I see Bruce Hopkins with five, Toppin with eight, and Damian Collins played three. Like, it was almost like it was game 37 of your season you're playing a sweet, six, sweet 16 game to get the Elite Eight. That's what Cal does. So, yeah. like, they, they might have depth, but that depth's not going to play. Like, we said it, it was going to come down to seven, eight guys. That's what it looks like it's going to be. But, my gosh, it might even be smaller than that if Sheboy stays out of foul trouble. And for all the bad, let's talk about how good he is. He's playing yeah. himself into an NBA pick. He is. He's one of the most improved players in college basketball. I mean, he's playing at a first-team All-American level. And, and that's the thing. Like, Cal's been talking about that you've got to have a post presence. you got to be able to throw somebody the ball. They did. And they tried to go through him to win the game there, too. And he got a good look at it. Just, just missed the shot. Just missed the turnaround hook. And – I think that that's a guy that you can lean on, but you've got to get better play from your guards. Uh, Kellen Grady does some things. I, I don't – and I'm kind of curious to, to know if they feel like they're really using him effectively the right way. Like, I just don't want to pigeonhole him to being – pigeonhole him into being just a three-point shooter. I think he can do some stuff off the bounce and get creative and, and put some pressure on teams. I'm just – I'm interested to see what they come up with between this past game and this one coming up. Uh, what was the number of shot attempts that Ty Ty took? It wasn't many. Seven was it? shots. Yeah, you you got to get more than that. I think that yeah. Grady's shot attempts have to go up, and I think that Tata's shot attempts have to go up. Yeah, and Mintz, you know, missed some time, so I'm not going to be too hard on him because he was out for a little while. But, you know, you're in there. To me, Davion's role on this team, you know, you're in there to hit hit shots, and that's why he's going to bring to the team. He, he's actually not a bad rebounder for a guard, um, but 0 for 5 from 3, and he had some good looks at it. Grady, you know, he had the he hit the one that was contested uh, to give UK the lead, and then he had one spin out. I mean, look, it went all the way down and, and rolled out. But um, this this was a concern. So I'm trying to balance the line between, and I also wonder in my mind too how much last year is kind of playing into this whole thing because people aren't going to be people aren't going to be as patient after what happened last season. Um, and it's just kind of a trend where they, you know, it just seems like they're losing a lot of these types of games against teams that really aren't any nothing against Notre Dame. They're not a terrible opponent, but they won't be an NCAA tournament team. No, I mean, first six years under Cal, not just the first six years, 2017 UK, 2019 UK, like you're not losing this game, you know? Not. Uh, at least I wouldn't think. I don't think a team, I don't think those guys would have lost a game like this against uh, it's an okay opponent. I mean, they're not they're not awful, but they're not like you said, they're not going to be one of the better teams in the well, ACC. They're probably not going to make the tournament. And when you when you look at these numbers and you see that you give up, like you said, essentially sixty four points. The breakaway dunk, I don't really count. You only have five turnovers. You shoot forty five and a half percent from the floor. You you should win that game. You should absolutely win that game. Probably win that game by ten plus. 
It's probably to be expected. I thought on that last play, and we can get into whether he should call timeouts, things like that. But Tata, he needs to have a little bit more awareness too. He drove to the to the lane like that, like there was no, like there was two seconds left. He had six seconds, man. Like when the shot went up, I think so. Was, I think it was around six Whoa. seconds, and he took the shot. Yeah, there was there was nothing designed there. That was just lower your head and kind of go. And and I, I don't like that in that situation. He's not John Wall, you know. He's not going to be able to, uh, you know, just make a play. I don't know. I'm very concerned, I guess, Sean, about the guard play on this team. Like, like very concerned. I think Tata's going to have his moments, and he's the one guy. And we talked about this yesterday on text. For guys like Ty Ty, uh, uh. Bryce potentially we'll see where Bryce I honestly I could see Bryce kind of not playing very much falling out of the rotation uh, Collins is going to have to play so I'll use those two as an example Washington and Collins are the guys that you can see them they will probably take a big jump like the way we talk about those two guys right now in February will probably be different I don't know that you can say that about the rest of the guys like Wheeler Grady well uh, Keon to an extent you know what I mean like to me that's kind of the concerning thing do you think you're putting a lot of pressure i guess maybe you could say on ty ty to kind of develop into that elite freshman guard my my thought is this it's no pressure that's been any different than any the guys before like it's the same thing like we we know that kentucky's success depends on how their freshmen develop that is every single year and this team was supposed to kind of be i mean it's one of the older it's one of the more older teams that they've had under cal especially in probably in uk history in a long time but here's the downside of that. If they're losing games now to Notre Dame, I'm sorry, Sabir Wheeler. Uh, I still, I, I'm going to throw Keon Brooks in there. I'm going to throw Kellen Grady. All these guys, they are who they are. I don't see a lot. I don't see a high ceiling for those guys, especially these guys that are four or five years into college basketball. The, the ceiling's not high. The high, the ceiling is still high for a Bryce Hopkins, for a Tata Washington. I still think Oscar Sheboy has room. To grow, you're seeing sure. it, the progression and getting better. But some of these guys, Derek, they are who they are, and that's when you're if you're winning games now and you're and you still see there's room for growth, it's it's okay. But when you're losing these games, and you're like, all right, like where do we go here? It, it is concerning. It's very concerning. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I thought Jerry Tipton asked a fair question uh, to Cal in regards to Savir. Because if you listen to the players talk, they talk about Savir being in my opinion, just from what I've been able to gather, one of the leaders on this team. And he was a guy who came in here from Georgia. So, he, you know, he's a transfer who's, you know, his goal coming to Kentucky, I would imagine, is to, you know, go to the NBA, uh, like like every single kid who comes to the UK. Um, and, you know, he 
I don't blame it on Cal. Like, like Savir played his way onto the bench the other day. Whenever you can't hit wide open jump shots, you know, it's hard to play you in that situation. So I get it. But I do think that's something to watch. I mean, you're the element. And again, this, this will be, we'll probably dedicate episodes to this next month when he gets here. But like when Shaden Sharp does come to UK and maybe, maybe he won't play at all. Maybe that's, maybe that's just what they'll decide on. To me, that situation has a chance to get very uh, toxic within the fan base. Yep. If UK is losing games and he's just chilling over there, I'm not saying it's, I ain't blaming it on nobody, but that's, you know, as well as I do, that's what's going to happen. Uh, if they're not playing well, people are going to wonder why he's not in there. Um, and I, I could see a scenario where if Sharp does decide to play, that you you lean on him and tie tie. And I know it's that's a very unfair, probably position to put Shaden Sharp in, not being here for all their easy games. You would you would say easy games, um, and then trying to throw him in there. So I'm not saying he that Shaden Sharp. I, I think I saw Jeff Goodman maybe said that yeah. he's the answer to Kentucky's problems. I think it's putting a lot of pressure on him. But when we're talking about guys maybe being finished products, like Sharp is someone who is far from that, and he would bring an element to your team that, you know, maybe at the end of a game against in a close game, instead of having Davion Mintz out there, you would have Shaden Sharp because I, I would imagine Shaden Sharp's you know probably going to be, I don't know, I think I'm kind of talking myself into circles right now. Maybe you can see what I'm getting at. I, I get that it. They're going to have some situations that the best case scenario for everybody would have been that this group of guys that they have would have just played well. And and they still can. I mean, maybe against Ohio State next week, they turn it around. Um, but as it as it's going right now, Sean, like, this looks like a team that, you know, they're not awful. This is not an awful Kentucky team, but it's also a team that – I don't know how they're in the top 25 right now. There's nothing suggested to me. Yeah. No, there, there's nothing there. They, they fell – from nine to ten last week because they hadn't played anyone, and then they lose at Notre Dame and the, the voters show it. They fell eleven spots. That's that's a hard fall in in any poll. If you fall eleven spots after one loss, you you know it wasn't good, especially when it's a four point loss. I mean, and if you didn't start in the top twenty five anyway, you would have done nothing to work yourself. No, and and that's what I and that's my other takeaway from this. And I'm looking at all these resumes this morning and I'm looking at teams in their league and you see Alabama pushing towards the, I mean, the top spot, like Alabama, the way college basketball is going could be ranked number one. If Kentucky plays them in here yeah. in, a, in a month or so. And, and that's the thing, like you're seeing other teams in your league, but look at who Alabama has gone and played. They beat a Gonzaga. They beat a Houston. They, they, I know Memphis looked like a tougher game. <laughs> when they scheduled it, but right now it looks like it in one of the worst games they could have on their schedule. But these teams in the league, they're the schedules are different. And I just think that there's I don't know, like we didn't really know anything about this team through eight games. I think now we what we do know after Notre Dame is we're a little bit concerned about oh gosh, is it's is this gonna be another one of those years? Because look, look, Derek, they they need resume building wins. And they've wasted nine games and got nothing from it. If anything, they got worse. The resume is horrible. Yeah, Ohio State is a very important game. Um, obvious to say, but like they they need something to. Ohio State should be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. They're a top fifteen team in Ken Palm. It's an Ohio State team that beat Duke. So I mean, Ohio State has you know that kind of quality. When they also you know they lost to Xavier in Florida, but they've beat Duke. They've beat Wisconsin. They've beat Seton Hall. All pretty good teams. Um, if you go on Ken Palm, we'll start winding down here. And that's just, you know, it's, it's computerized, but it's a very popular college basketball reference, uh, Ken Palm. 
he right now his his models are projecting Kentucky to finish twenty and eleven and eleven and seven in the SEC. And you know, basically giving them no shot to win at Kansas, twenty one percent at Auburn, Sean only thirty one percent. Tennessee on the road, thirty percent. You know, games aren't played on computers. I get that, but I I would I personally, as from what we've seen from this team so far, like I, I think they're probably trending towards a ten loss team. That would be my guess right now. Like show show us something otherwise to make us think differently. Well, I, I, what was it I texted you the other night? We were talking. I said, well, here's six because they're going. I mean, Alabama. Home and away. Do you really feel good about those right now? After what you're seeing from Alabama? No. And then you go to Kansas. Like, I mean, this schedule's tough. Like, my biggest thing is the years that Kentucky ends up being really good or a good seed in the tournament, they've always done well in non-conference play. Even if they've had, like, a lot of cupcake games, they they managed to to win the CBS Sports Classic. They'd beat Louisville. They'd uh, win the Champions Classic against the Michigan State or Kansas or someone like that. Right now, there's nothing from the non-conference schedule. If they waste this opportunity on Saturday against Ohio State, then you've got Louisville. How good is that win right now? They're just 44th. So, yeah. I mean, it's so just, it's it's know. not a need. It's not going to move the needle. And then you've got one opportunity left at Kansas that you're already uh, stacked. The odds are stacked against you playing at Allen Fieldhouse. Like you could get nothing from your non-conference schedule again. Thank God the SEC presents opportunities, but those teams are coming for your neck. Like it's not going to be easy. See, just based on teams and Ken Palm from the SEC alone who are ranked higher than Kentucky now, you got Tennessee at 10, Alabama at 11, Auburn at 12, and LSU at 13. And the Kentuckys are at 21. So, fifth best team right now in the SEC. You know, I mean, Florida's a decent team. They're kind of, they've had a few tough stretches, but in general, like this just is not a, I don't know. This, this has been, I'm very surprised they lost to Notre Dame. I am. It did not see that coming. I, I didn't see it. No, I, I thought that they would struggle, but I thought that they would find a way to win and then continue to get better and stuff from there. And they they will get better. Like the, they're going to – you you said it best over the weekend to me that they're going to put it together and they're going to look good. And they're going to win some games that were up when they get that crowd and stuff behind them. But, man, they, they need to really do something. Like right now their resume – and I know I'm, I know it's early, but when you've played nine games – you should have some type of resume right now when you're Kentucky. You look at all the other elites and they have a resume. Kentucky does not. Yeah, and like you're saying, I mean, you you really only gave yourself one chance. <laughs> yeah. I guess do. I mean, I mean, you got Ohio State and Louisville coming up, and I, I don't know where those Ohio State was thought to be a pretty good team coming into the year. I'm I mean, I'm not pretty good on Louisville. I mean, I'm not gonna jump it and say that they're not gonna be an NCAA tournament team. Like no, I'm not either. No, I'm not no, I'm not being I don't want people to think that I'm sitting here being negative about it, but like coming off the season that they had and just the, the overall feeling around the program and the fan base and stuff that it's just, you want to see, you want to see more, you want to see something and they've got a lot of experience. They've, they've got some guys that they feel good about, but I'm just concerned about one, the three point shooting because that should not have been an issue. And for the last few games, it has been a significant problem. Like they've got to get that lined out and fixed. Oscar Sheboy keeps getting better. You can't waste that. Like, they've got an elite big. Like, he is arguably – he's putting together an All-American top season, an All-SEC top season, a guy who I think will be in the running for SEC Player of the Year if he keeps it up at this pace and Kentucky's good. You can't waste that. You get Shaden Sharp in here. The only way I think – I said it a few weeks ago, the only way I think he plays is if Kentucky's not performing well or if her guard's not playing well. 
Right now, they got quite a few. It's going to have to play him, in my opinion. You you can't just let that sit on your bench. You you if you had the number one consensus number one player in the country and he can do some things for you and put pressure, give it a shot because you got a big right now. You have some pieces that you could be good. If he's the difference maker, play him. If you get Shaden in there whenever he gets to campus and you know you work him in there, if you're playing for March, which is you know what you do in college basketball, then you you know he would have his feet under him. And that's I guess the point I was trying to make in that is like they're trending towards being a team that's going to lose games anyway. So it's not like you're going to be, you know, it's like you need, you do need we, better players. <laughs> do we know the situation with him exactly? Like, has it been, like, do we know what surrounds his future and stuff after this year? Like the eligibility stuff and NBA oh, yeah, draft no. and everything. Do we really know? I mean, I don't know that it's been, I mean, reputable people, uh, ESPN people who cover the draft have said that he can't come out after that's this what, year yeah that's so that's how i've been operating but that's how i've been operating with it too like don't sit him on your bench if he's good enough play him and i think that cal will i think when he comes in and he sees him and then he walks into those practices and he does the things that there's guys on this roster that cannot do and i like uh, i like what jeff goodman said today i think it was today my video might have gone up last night i can't remember but i watched it this morning yeah i think it was they were they were talking about him and Ty Ty playing alongside one another, and Shaden's not a selfish guy. And you know Ty Ty's going to get better, but you want to see him rise to the occasion in a big game. So far against Duke and against Notre Dame, it's not been there. You need to see it against Ohio State. And this is a team that they're playing this week, and I know we're going to dive into it later in the week. They have not beaten Ohio State in this event since it started. That's the one team that they've not beaten in the CBS Sports Classic. Like, it's – uh They've not really played that well in this event. They haven't. Like this has been one of those where they, I, the only, the last time I remember them playing well, they beat North Carolina and Chicago a few years ago, and I remember they played well that game. They they played well against Carolina and Vegas, and then obviously the UCLA game. We know uh, with the the thirty eight and one team, they just absolutely dominated them. Oh yeah, that, that was United Center. But they've also every time that they lost in State, New Orleans to yeah. a bad UCLA team a couple of years ago. Like this is uh, this is one that they need to get. Like they need to they they need to get this one because then you play Louisville midweek and that's going to re-energize you. It's at Rupp Arena. It's going to be a really good crowd. Win these win these two and then see where you go from there. You start SEC play. They begin SEC play literally in what? It's the thirteenth. I think days. two weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> league play starts. Like your first away game is against LSU. Who I don't know how how much people have paid attention, but LSU's nine and zero and. They don't have any just crazy good wins, but they're playing very well. Um, they were a team coming into the year. I, I thought their roster was very good. Uh, so I will say <laughs> it's going to be a tough game to, to start your league road, road play. And as we wrap up, I will say this. If you're going to do the whole be elite defensively and win games, you better do what Baylor does. Just not give up anything. <laughs> just give up around 30-plus <laughs> well, points, man. It, that was unreal what they I'm, I'm telling you now. I, I think I told you this recently, and I think we might have talked about it on Kentucky Daily when we talked about who replaces Cal at some point. There's a guy, Scott Drew at Baylor. Derek, the man can coach. And some of these elite jobs that decide to open up moving forward, I know Nate Oates is going to be a popular candidate and stuff. Like, you got to look at – you got to look at Drew. You have to. I mean, the dude just lost majority of his starting lineup from national championship team, and he's he's ranked number one today and they're guarding their tails off like that guy can coach 
Well, I mean, if they get into a situation where this year doesn't go well, I mean, you're the school at this point, UK, like you're at the mercy of Cal Perry because that contract yeah. he has, like you can't fire that guy. Oh, um, we're not, and we're not bringing up that he should be fired or anything. No, but, like, but I know what you mean in terms of like looking ahead. I guess down the road, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't lay it out well enough in my mind. I was thinking it, but like, you know, Cal might be here. Uh, you know, it's hard to know what the stock might look like for a guy. Just to use a football reference. Had had Stoops left three years ago, you would have thought Neil Brown would have been a shoe in for this job. Whereas now, his resume doesn't look. As, and that's not a great comparison because, like you said, Baylor just won a national championship. They're back to being number one again. Like I'm with you there. Drew also has like a, which it didn't matter. Cal kind of had a similar rep when he came here, but like yeah. he's kind of got that rep of you know. Or used to be back before NIL and stuff came along. Well, yeah, kind of the rep of being a kind of a sleazy guy. <laughs> yeah, and so. and I'm not even just talking Kentucky. I'm talking if any of the big ones, like you know, obviously Duke's going to get Duke's going to be filled already. We and we know Carolina's filled for a while. Carolina's so. filled. Um, like maybe a Kansas or somewhere down the road. Like you could see it, but then again, like you keep doing that at Baylor, and it's the same hey, thing like Jay Wright at Villanova. You might not want to leave. Baylor's dominating college sports right now, man. Their football team just won the Big 12, uh, coming off a national title. I know they got uh, – well, their women's program just lost uh, Mulkey, obviously, to LSU. But prior to that, I mean, their, their women's basketball program has won national championships. They they got it going down there in uh, do. Waco. So, yeah, like you said, he might not want to be out of there. But uh, – And I know uh, it's – and we'll wrap – let's wrap up with this. Like, we, we've talked a lot of basketball today, but we, we know that – Saturday, Derek, there, there, there was the game. You were there, but that wasn't the story of the day. It wasn't the story of the weekend. It's, it's not the story today. Like the story is the state that, that we live in, the state that we love. There's, there's a lot of people that are dealing with loss that woke up Saturday morning with not only their, their livelihood gone, their, their fam, their families, their, their homes, their everything. Like just an awful, awful weekend in the state of Kentucky, not just Kentucky, but surrounding states, Tennessee, Arkansas, so many dead, so, so much devastation, destruction, just an awful time. And I know that we send our thoughts and prayers and well wishes to all those people that are, that are affected by the storms that push through and Kentucky basketball is going to be doing their telethon on Tuesday. They sent out their information today that they're going to be raising money. And it's good though, in times like that, and, and things are hard. I think that, when we show humanity at its best you see a lot of people coming together and, and I, all i can think of is like man why why does it take something like that for us to do those things for people because you see the the guy that drove to to mayfield and places and was preparing food and he didn't have to do it he just wanted to do it like there's yeah. there's so much good in the world and you see it when there's in times like this but just a very very sad time for a lot of people right now yeah, our thoughts are definitely with the people over in Western Kentucky. Um, I have a cousin who goes to college at Western Kentucky, and uh, you know I know that they lost a student there, but everyone uh, from the damage in Bowling Green to Mayfield, which has obviously hit the hardest. I mean, I was seeing uh, on Friday night before I went to bed up in South Bend, just the the debris that went thirty thousand feet in the air. I mean, just unreal, uh, an unreal storm. And we know we have people who listen to the show who live out there and we're thinking about you. Uh, if you, if, if, anybody, if anybody wants to help out, I'm sure you've seen this by now, but if not UK uh, and WLEX are having a telethon tomorrow night, which is, you know, give props to Cal for this and for the basketball program. They've always been there whenever there's been not even in Kentucky, you know, uh, 
with Hurricane Harvey, uh, Sandy, the, I believe the earthquake in Haiti, right, was another one that they did. So um, that is tomorrow from Tuesday to uh, – on Tuesday from 4 to 8. Um, and the proceeds are going to go to the American Red Cross to, to benefit those victims from the tornadoes out in western Kentucky. So you can call in or there's a website. You can go to www.redcross.org slash donate. Um, and that'll take you to where you need to go. So I'm going to donate, Sean, hopefully. I'm sure you will as well um, to those people out there. If you have the means, you know, please do so. Um, because if you put yourself in their shoes, I mean, those are people who went to bed on Friday night. Some, you know, lost loved ones. You know, some didn't wake up the next day. And a lot of people lost everything they had. Uh, and if you put yourself in, in their shoes, you know, it's a terrible thing to even think about. So I know if that happened to me, I would hope that people would would help out. So if you can, please do so. Yeah, and I, I saw this morning too. I was following. Uh, there was a family that just got got tossed around by the storm, and they had the the baby in a car seat, and and that baby passed away this morning. And I'm just like, like you you go to bed Friday night thinking, you know, what do you got going on on Saturday? You know, you Kentucky played Notre Dame, and you're you're thinking about what you got going on, and then you don't even. I mean, it's just your whole Christmas life. Christmas shopping. You know, everything. Yeah. And it's just it's just brutal. It, it's devastating. You, you don't understand it. But our thoughts and prayers are with them. I'm, I'm definitely going to donate and, and do my part. And hopefully everyone that listens, if you can, uh, do the exact same. But we just wanted to to make sure that we touched on that. We uh, definitely wanted to get that in. It's the first time we recorded since everything happened. And hopefully those areas, they, they rebuild, they pick up, but they'll, they'll never forget. That's for sure. And uh, Derek, do uh, you have anything else you want to add? No, I think you summed it up good. Just our thoughts with them. Um, you know, while Kentucky was playing a basketball game Saturday, it's for people who normally, if you live out in Western Kentucky, cheer for UK, normally maybe you would have gotten upset with what happened. But obviously you had a lot bigger thing, you know, real life things to deal with. So uh, it's going to take a long time to rebuild these communities. And, you know, it's it's terrible. I, I feel really bad for everyone who's having to go through this right now. So to all the volunteers who have helped, I mean, that's, that's great. I'm really happy that people have done that um, financially is, is the way I'll help. But, you know, if you have items you can send, food, water, things like that, I mean, it's going to be a while to, to rebuild this. So we'll be thinking about everybody out there. Absolutely. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.